Hey everyone, what is up and welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle Lifters Show. I'm your host, your online transformation coach, Adrian McDonald, here to help you look, feel and perform better without restrictive dieting. And today I interviewed Jane Story and Emma Curvin, two fellow online fitness coaches, a three-way, my first three-way podcast. And on today's episode, you can expect to learn how Emma and Shane first actually met each other, what it's really like to diet for eight full months of the year, not eight weeks, eight months of the year. An overview of the step-by-step journey involved in actually stepping up in stage and bodybuilding, tips for adhering to a calorie deficit and achieving fat loss. The role your mindset, self-belief and self-worth plays in getting lasting results, plus much, much more. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. I'm your host, Adrian McDonald. If you do get value from the show, the only thing that I would ask is you please rate and review the show. You can do it while you are listening. It only takes two seconds. Podcasts generally only grow through word of mouth. I will not be running ads towards this. So thank you so much for everyone who's been doing that to date and please continue to do so. Now, without further ado, here is this week's episode with Emma Curvin and Shane Story. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lifestyle Lifter Show. And today I'm delighted to be joined my first ever three-way podcast with Mr. Shane Story, Miss Emma Curvin, two fellow online fitness coaches from Dublin, Ireland, but currently residing in Canada. Shane, Emma, welcome to the show. How was your week then? So far, so good. Yeah, I mean, it's Wednesday, so only halfway through. Busy with check-ins <laughs> so far, but, you know, that's life. Yeah, yeah, I'm starting the week on the back foot because I just flew home from Dublin. So just catching up on my sleep and trying to get over the jet lag. But it's been a good week so far. It's nice to it's nice to be back with Shane. <laughs> we were separated for two weeks, which is uh, never fun. <laughs> Separate. Well, well, that's actually just that that would be a great start point. So Shane and Shane and Emma are obviously there. They're seeing each other. They've been going out. How long have you been going out now? Five years. And, yeah. and tell us so how did this all start how did the how did two fine dublin fit pro oh no shane you're from me the apologies yeah uh, well how I, did... I, I, te- technically i'm a dub because i was uh, i did live in swords for like five years so <laughs> you, you you classify yourself as a dub so let's actually rewind it back so um give us a quick two or three minute synopsis of what got you actually into fitness in the first place and how the two of you actually met i think uh, i think that'll be welcome start for our listeners no, Yeah, so I suppose I first started going to the gym when I was around 16 or so. Um, I kind of come from a background of being more on the overweight side and, you know, struggled my whole life with kind of body image and, you know, my weight. I was really, I'm a child of the 90s. So obviously that involves being kind of fed, you know, skinny is better kind of uh, narrative from the media. So that's kind of how I came into fitness was just trying to lose weight. And obviously I did all of the typical you know skinny teas stupid supplements hit cardio all that sort of stuff uh, but eventually found kind of you know training to build muscle like it was when Gymshark was kind of getting started all those influencers were coming around um and yeah I just kind of started then lost quite a lot of weight and just started to learn more and more about you know nutrition training um and everything with that, that kind of sphere and I just haven't stopped it just was it, it It happened to be the one thing that stuck with me and now here I am and I'm a coach uh, I've been coaching since 
last year I did uh, my degree in biochemistry and then decided to leave academia and uh, kind of go out on my own and do this amazing yeah Yeah, so you got you got the book from a young age and Shane you obviously shared your your backstory before for anyone Shane was on I think it was episode way back episode five you were just prepping for the the powerlifting meet that coming weekend remember it was like March of 2022 yeah. So Shane, why don't you tell us how did you and Emma get to meet each other then? Um, so we were actually going to the same gym and Emma kept looking at me, kept giving me the side eye. So uh, I eventually seen her out on one night out because we had similar kind of friends. And I think I then added her on like Snapchat or something like that. And I just sent her a snap, not a, not a dick pic, but like just a reasonable <laughs> snap. Uh, <laughs> a legitimate snap. Yeah, and then I just started talking from there, and then about, about maybe <laughs> six months later. Yeah, six months later. <laughs> yeah, it took him a while. Yeah, um, it did take him a while, but um, we, we got, got here eventually. Yeah, we got there in the end. Persistence and patience. Um, yeah, cool. I remember. I actually, uh, we were following each other on Instagram, and like you know, we were liking each other's pictures, and like I always saw him in the gym, and Shane has quite a distinctive stare. Um, if you will, the, the look he gets in his eyes and it just, it mesmerized me. Um, no, but I remember I put up my, I think it was like after that night out where we'd seen each other, I put up my Snapchat, but that just shows how how long ago it was because we yeah. were doing that. And uh, I like had my snap and I was like, add me, hoping, like praying that he would add me. And he did. He snapped the bait yeah. right up. And uh, Shane, Shane was quick to... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, now we're here and now we live in Canada and you know we're just doing doing life together so yeah, yeah it is it is mad but um yeah five years now time flies amazing amazing yeah living in Canada living together brilliant stuff time does fly and and speaking of which so I am three and a half weeks out from stepping up on stage for the first time so I'm really engulfed in year content particularly from October-ish last year when you would have kind of started stepping yes. up on stage and competing but Shane you've a great obviously YouTube series which is like 60 episodes deep um, going way back from 25 weeks out or plus to actually stepping up on stage competing at Worlds but tell me Emma Shane I mean last year phenomenal year for both of you in your in your bodybuilding careers how did that all begin? Like where, where did the desire where did the goal start and what was the process of okay this is where I want to be in, we'll say, October, November, December. And ha- can you just talk me through how you reverse in- engineer those goals and actually manifest them into reality? Yeah, so I suppose I had always followed bodybuilders, you know, and I was always fascinated by it. But I was just the kind of person who was like, I can't do it. Like, I would never be able to get that lean. I would never be able to be that disciplined. Um, And I just, yeah, I just thought it was kind of out of the out of the question for me in about 2019 I did like quite a long diet um I was coached by do you know recalibrated bodies uh Daniel and Amanda yes, yeah, yeah yeah and yeah, and I, I I it was a really successful diet like I lost like uh, quite a lot of body fat I was the leanest I'd ever been and I think that was when that kind of inkling was there that like oh maybe like it's not so you know ridiculous for me to think I could do it I remember even Shane had said some of the people in his gym were asking like was I prepping and I remember thinking <laughs> no like that's hilarious um so you know it was kind of there but again it was one of those things I wouldn't even let myself say it out loud because I was like how ridiculous to to even think that and then in 2020 when you know lockdown happened and we were all just forced to be at home I was like I need to get a coach because I just had no idea what was going on like I 
couldn't decide on a goal. I felt very, very lost. Um, and so I reached out to my coach, AJ Morris, um, who's like a really well-known natural bodybuilding coach, fully expecting him to be like, meh, you know, I'm probably not the coach for you. Or, you know, I, I didn't think he would take me on. Um, and he responded to me in about an hour. And in his response was talking about how, you know, I had really good potential. I could be like a British champion. And I was just thinking... I didn't even know at this point that I really wanted to compete. I just said I did so that he would take me on as wow. a client. But um, from that moment, it was like, I'm all in on this. And I knew that it was going to be 2022 because I had my final year of university in 2021. So, you know, I, and I, for me, like my degree was really, really important. I wanted to, to give it everything. I didn't want to have, you know, if I'm doing a goal it, or going after something, I have to kind of be all in on it. And I didn't want to go over, go after two things simultaneously with, you know, one would take away from the other. So sure. I said, wait yeah. until 2022. And he was like, yeah, that's great. Because obviously within bodybuilding time is your best friend, you know, like, especially as a natural athlete, like I needed that time to grow. I was still very small. Um, so yeah, we just started working. We went straight into, you know, building phase. I think we did two diets together in that time and spent a lot of time in a surplus growing and then started prep in April last year. Um, and wow. I think the prep ended up being, a, we, we knew like. It was I extended. That, yeah. Well, I knew that I wanted to be doing worlds. Like I knew I wanted to be on stage in November. Like, again, I didn't really say it out loud, but that was my goal. You know, I didn't want wow. to just compete in September and that be it. So um yeah, we just, we, we kind of came into that September show. Like I was, I would say it was about like 85%, but we kind of knew or hoped, I suppose that that would be enough to get me the qualifications to go on and do all the rest of the shows, uh, which thankfully the bet paid off and, and it did work. So it ended up being 31 weeks of prep. I think by the time we got to worlds, it was long. It was a very long season for a first time where everybody was like, I don't know how you're doing it. And I don't know how I did it either. By the end, it was, I was ready to be finished prep by November. And and just for any of our listeners out here, just because Shane and Emma stepped up in stage, you know, your version of that could be getting to 15% or 25% body fat or just feeling more comfortable in your clothes, looking a bit better. The process is quite similar. Just the level of commitment required is going to differ. But just speaking of that, then, I mean, there's a lot of people listening. And Emma, like you mentioned there, you're in a deficit from April until November. Shane, poor old Shane was probably a bit longer because you finished yeah. up in March. Yeah. So you're you're in a deficit for eight long months of the year. That is, you know, two thirds of the year there where you're in a caloric, calorically restricted state. It's not easy. So no. for anyone out there who might be even struggling to lose fat or they feel like they have a long way to go, how do you break these big macro, these big, huge goals that we have in mind and just break them down into the micro week by week? What would a typical week have looked like for you, Shane? We'll just say even say starting out at the beginning of the dieting phase last year. So like, yeah, I mean, like at the very at the very start of the process, it was a, a tiny bit overwhelming as such, right? Because like start, I started my diet in March and I knew that my first show was in September. And while well, having that deadline it does help with kind of staying a little bit more motivated for it's sure it's a lot easier if that's closer right because like 25 weeks you know you might not necessarily for that's not that goals. sexy yeah no yeah. no uh, for different goals you may only get sorry get motivated like very close to it but i suppose like the the intensity of like the goal itself in in the sense of like going to be stepping up on stage in a tongue in front of lots of people uh, that definitely was enough of a motivator at like the 25 week out mark to be like right need to start taking this seriously but um 
like from, from the very beginning, the kind of plan was to have calories as, as high as possible, right? Because like as like a natural athlete, like you don't have like any extra assistance to come in to like help you like retain muscle tissue or like make the process like maybe a little bit kind of easier or shorter. So keeping the calories as high as possible at the very beginning like was super important. So we only had, I think I started my prep at like, she's 3,300 calories. Uh, and then by the time the prep was finished, it was like 2,300, right? So it was like a steady decline as the weeks went on. But pretty much true, like the true, like the the phases at which the prep ran for me was like, I had my initial kind of goal of like, I started at like 94 kilos. And then like the first goal was like to get to like 89. So I was like, lose like the first like five kilos in like a certain time frame, like leading up to like my first diet break. So I had like different kind of time points along the actual diet itself where like I'd maybe be able to take my foot off the gas a little bit. So I had like a diet break after like the, the 10 or 11 week mark because I had to go to uh, my cousin's wedding. So I had a little bit of a awesome. diet break. Then. I love that diet break. That was planned in. Uh, and then from there, we had, I suppose we kind of made kind of breaks for ourselves like we went to Spain for like four weeks, right? <laughs> and that kind of made, this is like a different phase of prep versus being in the one location. And then by the time we got back from Spain, then we were only like eight weeks out from our first show. So then we had like all these kind of different kind of motivators along the way to kind of keep us a little bit more on track. So we have the, both of you had the long-term goal in mind, but then you had these small little kind of breaks in between to chunk it all up. Emma, yeah. Shane spoke about an important point there about starting the diet as, with as high as calories as possible and having those diet breaks. Like for any of our listeners unfamiliar with this, why why do you feel it's better to start high and then drop down low rather than just going straight into the deep end for, you know, 24, 25 odd weeks? Well, I suppose the main thing is the ability to be adherent. Um, Obviously, yeah. if you're starting very, very low, that's going to become fatiguing. You know, when we speak about diet fatigue, it's almost that sense of just being a bit sick of dieting, you know? And if your food's higher, it gives you more room um, to to not have that come up as quickly. Um, I suppose like other things is being able to maintain performance in the gym. Like Shane said, as natural athletes, your main ability to keep muscle on your frame, which is the goal of bodybuilding, it's not a fat loss competition. Yes, you have to be in condition. You have to be like shredded, um, depending on the class you're doing. But that doesn't matter if you don't have the muscle to to carry it. And so by being able to keep food slightly higher, that gives you that kind of opportunity. Um, but like having said that, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I I prep a lot of people for photo shoots and things like that. I might not necessarily start their calories super high. I might start them a little bit on the lower end because motivation is very, very high at the start. Now, sure. obviously this is yeah. completely individual dependent. This goes for people who are experienced dieters. And this is something I speak about a lot. Fat loss is a skill, you know? And that's why for anybody listening to this, who's maybe thinking, how the hell did you diet for 25 weeks or whatever? We got there by mastering the skill of dieting for a day and then dieting for a week and then a month. And, you know, Shane and I have been doing the fitness thing for, I've been eight years, you're 10 years, I think, Shane. So it's a long time, you know, I, yeah, longer. <laughs> like I, I wasn't always able to stick to my calories. I had to learn that. I had to learn the skill. I had to learn how to make it easier for myself. I had to learn how to set up my days to make that feasible. So you almost earn the right to get there. And so that's why, you know, if I take 
someone who's prepping for a shoot and they have that ability I might start them a bit more aggressive with the with the mind that down the line I'm going to do diet breaks I'm going to do refeeds but if I have someone come to me who's new uh, or you know they're not that experienced maybe they've expressed to me that they have issues with adherence of course I'm going to start their calories a bit higher because that means it's easier to stick to you know at the end of the day uh, the hardest part about dieting is probably the hunger and the craving so if we can overcome that by keeping calories higher then that's only going to net a positive for that individual so again it's it's so dependent on the person and their history and their goals um but yeah like for the majority I would start the calories higher it's just sure it depends I, I do think it depends um yeah. but I, 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 I think it's oh go on no, I, I was just going to say the exact same thing what Emma said there. It is a skill. And this year, this year I, for instance, I didn't have a goal in mind of even stepping up on stage. But just like what Emma was saying about your coach contacting you, saying, you know, a lot of people saying you've got potential here. I just started a fat loss phase when I was in Dubai. And I just said I'd do a four-week sprint where I went from like 32 to 2200 and it was a rapid drop. I I spent four weeks then back up at like 27, 2800, my new maintenance, which was fine. And then someone planted the seed, you know what, you should go for this. It's roughly whatever, like eight weeks out. So mm. I'm definitely a, a prime example of someone who works better in, in short bursts and just kind of goes hard. But with that being said, I'm quite experienced in it too. I've been doing it for 10 years. So, you know, you learn as you go along. I'm really context dependent, as you said there, Emma. Shane, sorry, I cut across you. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, when it does come to, like, dieting, do you have to have, like, like you have to understand what your expectations are going to be. Like, your first few diets are probably not necessarily going to be the ones that leverage you the best results that you want. Like, like after your first diet, you're unlikely to look like the end goal, right? Like, say, like, last year after our prep, we probably only looked like our kind of end goal yeah. <laughs> or close to our end goal for the first time after many, many diets. Yeah. right yeah. and because we had dieted so often like uh, previous to that we had developed a lot of the kind of skills to make the diet like so so easy like i would say the diet last year for prep personally was probably the easiest one i've done so far and yeah. <laughs> um, like despite the length of time that it was right it was still like almost 40 weeks of dieting uh, but because all through other other diets i like learned how to make it more manageable for myself like the first time i did a diet like i didn't eat vegetables you know, uh, and I'd be eating meals. I'm like, oh my God, this is so like miserable. It's such a small portion size. Like I'm so hungry all the time. And then like over diets, it's like, oh, maybe if I add a little bit more volume and, you know, grow up a little bit more, I can add a little bit more veg, add a little bit more flavor and add more kind of satiety to my day. And then like last year, I was kind of like leveraging that pretty hard. Um, But then also as well, through the dieting phase as well, just kind of understanding that the more you diet, the more comfortable you get with like hunger and how that should feel. And like almost kind of seen as like something that if if it's never there, you should be kind of worried as such. Because if you're never hungry, you're not really going to get that feedback from your body to be like, yeah, you, you probably need to be eating a little bit more. And um, like when you're kind of dieting during the prep, you're almost kind of like seeking that to be like a little bit of a feedback so that you know that the diet itself is kind of working. Um, but you become way more comfortable with those things, like the further you get into kind of diet and the more kind of experience you get with that. But then with that as well, the more you do it, the more like reasonable your expectations can be, right? Yeah. Because like after like a week or a month of diet and you're not really kind of expecting to have like kilos and kilos of fat loss, like you're understanding that there may only be like a couple of hundred grams here as they get leaner and leaner. I think a lot of people will start with the expectation that if they like 
you know, you have like 50 kilo females expecting to like gain, uh, to lose like a kilo of fat loss a week or like the percentage wise of what their but of what that is for their body weight is like completely different to like myself as like a hundred kilo male. Sure. Yeah. So man- managing expectation, that's obviously a huge one with dieting and tell us then like, I always, as you kind of mentioned, you broke the, the goals down into little chunks and I call them almost weekly non-negotiables. Like every single week we got to tick these boxes. It could be four strength. It could be 10K steps. It could be drink this amount of water, eat this amount of veggie, this amount of protein. Roughly, just broadly speaking, what would a week, what, what would a week in the life um, for both of you look like last year? Will say uh, just coming into your prep series, like what were some of those weekly non-negotiables for you that you know you had to nail in order to to adhere to your goals? I would honestly say our weeks last year looked the exact same as they look this year. It looked the exact same as they looked before we started prep, and that is big factor into why it felt so easy. Um, obviously being coaches who and we have the complete privilege of being in charge of our own time, we set up our days however we want. And so, you know, before, well, to be fair, when I was starting prep, I was actually working another job, um, a full-time job, but I kind of knew what my days would look like once I was finished that. And I finished that, I think three weeks into prep anyway. And, um, but, you know, we, we would kind of, we'd wake up, uh, we would do our, you know, maybe two or three hours of work in the morning because we're productive. I'm sure you probably know this yourself, maybe, but, you know, when you're dieting, you're cognitive function can go down and so you're trying to capitalize on the times when that's at its highest and for for me anyway that's the morning time so we'd wake up we would do some work then we'd go out on a walk and um, obviously towards the back end of prep our steps were quite high I think we were doing around 15,000 a day so we would go on a really long walk in the morning because it's just about getting it over and done with um as quickly as possible and also delaying the time until breakfast because we're trying yes, to put yeah. that off. Yeah, just these little things. But that's similar to what we do now. Okay, the walk we go on now is maybe a bit shorter, but we still wake up, work, go on a walk, have our breakfast, train. And, you know, I think that kind of element of routine is really what helped so much with, with making it easier. You know, again, we would train in the morning because our energy was just higher um, at that point. Uh, I still train in the morning. Shane tends, to, Shane tends to train in the evening times a little bit more now or the at the afternoon. Um, but yeah, for, for the large majority of our days, like they do look really similar. Um, obviously in prep, you start waking up earlier and earlier and earlier uh, because your body just wants you to get up and eat. But, you know, at a certain point, you kind of stop caring about that because you just wake up and get straight into work anyway. So yeah, like even from a point of cardio for example I the highest my cardio got was the very very end I did 45 minutes on a rest day um which I would have had either two or three rest days a week it just depended on my split currently I do two 30 minute um cardio sessions on my rest days so again very similar I was very lucky in that sense my cardio was never very very high um which people hear that and they're like I hate you because yeah, I was doing yeah. daily cardio and you know it, it is it is interesting but I just I I just got away with that I mean look my food wasn't particularly high but I had no problem with that my appetite was like I didn't even notice a hunger <laughs> because by the sure. end I think you do become a bit numb to it um in a sense but yeah like from, yeah but from that from that point of view I do think our days look really similar to how they did mm-hmm. before and they probably will look very similar next time we prep. It's just how we like to live our lives, I suppose. Yeah, I, I think like the biggest difference is like the intensity at which the day is. Like I'm slightly different to Emma in the sense that like I'm I'm probably a little bit kind of more flexible with a lot of stuff. 
like now like like when it comes to like tracking food for example like i'll i'll track my food but i'm not like looking to hit things to the ground like you know i'll, I'll hit my calories and i hit my protein pretty much most days like my food looks the exact same but like you know i'm not gonna cry if i go like 20 25 grams over or under my carbs or fats or something like that right uh but during prep it was pretty much like everything was on the button like you know no more than five gram deviance between any macronutrients huge like probably zero gram deviance between macros yeah um, <laughs> and then like say for example if i i know i'm short my steps now like i'm not going to force myself to go out and get them because if i have things that i'm prioritizing over that it's probably for a good reason so if i have like work that i want to do i can't get back to because i'm generally busier when i'm a little bit softer because i've got more kind of mental bandwidth for clients um but a lot of that stuff i'm a lot more kind of left myself on now because like my 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 next goal is like so far away in a, in a sense right and i don't necessarily need that same rigidity like towards like a powerlifting prep for example um but during prep it's very much like during like a bodybuilding prep it's very much like i want to be as like on the ball with all this stuff as i can and because as well you don't uh don't really have food coming in um to kind of standardize your kind of day the way it would be like with it with a bulk right because like during a bulk you almost want to have uh you've you've so much you've so much food to eat that you can't really kind of um how to say i'm actually making the balls of this like if you if, if you're like late on meals when you're eating yeah. four thousand calories you can really shoot exactly. yourself in the yeah for yeah, sure but if you're exactly. dieting and you if you're on like 1300 calories and you accidentally don't eat until later in the day, that's a great thing. Cause then you're like, okay, now I get to have two meals, like two hours meal. apart. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, I just think with fat loss, some things, so maybe we can go back and forth to this, but like for anyone listening, trying to drop some sovereign fat, I really think it comes down to what we're speaking about. Just a bit of planning and preparation. Maybe it's on a Sunday evening, whatever it could be. Like I think meal prep, or just planning your meals. You don't even have to have them all batched out or cooked. But if you know or if you have a good idea of, okay, I'm going to have this for breakfast. Tomorrow's a busier day at the office. So you know what? I might get a chance to cook. If in that event, I might have to get a Nutri-Quick ready-made meal just for Monday. Um, Preparation for dinner. Like just looking at your week from a standpoint and just thinking, put yourself in that position. How are you going to be feeling at that particular time? Do you have the mental discipline to cook when you're hungry? If you don't, can you prepare and cook something in advance so that you're not? Because the worst time to want to eat is when you're hungry and you've nothing there ready. It's just, it's the danger zone. So something that's really helped me is just a bit of preparation, food preparation. I know it comes back and might sound boring and basic, but the boring and basic stuff, it's what gets the results. Having your food prepared, getting your steps in, as Emma was saying, uh, maintaining your strength you know getting getting to the gym getting your sleep the small daily stuff done consistently over time you cannot you cannot get those things packaged in a pill as much as they try to settle online mm -hmm. sometimes you just got to put the work in and do it yeah like it's the most basic piece of advice i ever give people and so few people do it but it's like just track your food in advance like don't track everything at the end of the day because like you're just shooting it, you're shooting in the wind. Like you, you could end up being over things, under things. If you, even if you just track your protein sources, you know, like I always have people, they're struggling to their protein. I'm like, just track in three different protein sources and like a snack, like that's it. And it's something that takes two minutes. And especially with my fitness pal, like, you know, and if you're somebody who works uh, nine to five, Monday to Friday, eat the same things every day. I know it sounds 100%. boring, 
But like it's consistent, it's easy, makes life easier for planning, for preparation, for doing your grocery shopping, for cooking. And if you're using my fitness pal, all you have to do then is press copy, paste, copy, paste. And if you need to change things, sure, change a meal, but like have that bare bone structure there every single day that you just follow, you know, um, I like, even if it's like, okay, I'll have breakfast, lunch, and a snack that are the same. And then if I come home when I'm, you know, maybe I'm with my boyfriend or I'm with my family, I'll have a different dinner and that's fine. And you know that that's something that you're going to do, but it's like, you know, like I eat the exact, like I eat the same thing every day, whether I'm on a diet, whether I'm not on a diet, because I'm lazy and I don't like thinking of different foods, you know, and like, I can't imagine waking up in the morning and being like, what will I eat today? Like that, the thought of that is crazy to me, which I know some people- yeah, some people listening to this might think that I sound crazy right now, which is fair enough because I probably do. Yeah. But it does, you know, I think after years and years of dieting, I have come to this conclusion that like that's what makes my life a lot easier. And anytime I get clients to do it, they always say the same thing. It's like, okay, this, yeah, what, what you're saying makes sense here. I'm like, I know, I know it does. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it reduces like food focus yeah. a huge amount as well. Cause like during a diet, like you don't want to be thinking about food all the time <laughs> like it will just drive you insane and drive you to be hungrier if you're constantly thinking of like especially if you're like you're following like an if it fits your macro macros approach right it's probably going to lead to having some poor food decisions if you're like hmm i have x amount of calories or macros to use for next meal what will i have you know and especially if you let hunger seep in as well then you're probably like that kind of like doubles the likelihood that you're probably going to pick something that is more kind of a palatable right as opposed to something that's more kind of goal oriented like generally with my clients i will recommend them to try to follow a similar meal structure and similar kind of meal types like monday to friday and it's like yeah at the weekend if you want to have like a slightly different breakfast or a slightly different lunch or a slightly different dinner with your partner like that's the time to do that's it. for a variety yeah but like during the week like you want things to almost be automatic like realistically most people are going to be pretty busy during the week so they don't want to have the food being another thing to do, right? Because like food is something, like eating is something that you are going to do every single day, okay? Like it's it's something that should have automatic in the background and you just want that to be a standard. Whereas like there's other things that are going to have a higher priority in your day. Like most people are not going to work and getting paid for eating their meals, right? They're getting paid for doing their work. The food they're eating is going to help them do better work, you know, and it have to have better, better training sessions as well. The weekends, that's your time to be a little bit more kind of flexible things. Think, Go I ahead, Emma, a, sorry. I think a lot of people when you know they hear you say oh eat the same things every day they they kind of almost um block at that a bit they're like but the reality is a lot of people are already eating the same things every day you know maybe they're waking up and they're having a slice of toast with butter and they go on their lunch and they go and grab a chicken fillet roll and then they come home and they get you know they order the same thing like you're already doing the same things every day probably um because that's what humans tend to do so it's just about changing that it's just about saying like okay but can we do maybe something a little bit different you know Uh, can we have other choices we make every single day you know a lot of people they they forget that like they are already in a routine it's just maybe not a routine that's serving them currently for their goals and it's about trying to adjust that and make these small changes um but yeah like I don't know I just can't imagine like thinking of different meal ideas every day and I've done that too like Shane said you know the oh I have 200 calories left maybe I'll have some halo top and Nutella and then you're just dreaming about Nutella all night and you know I think uh the more mature I've become within dieting, the kind of more boring my food has almost become because I know that 
a meal that's high in protein, high in fiber, like loads of veggies. It doesn't sound that appealing, but one, when you're dieting and you're hungry, it's amazing. But two, I rarely would finish something like that and be like, oh, I just want to eat that another 10 times. Whereas if you have something that's a bit more hyper palatable, um, even if it fits within your calories, you know, even if that's something like a protein bar or, you know, some chocolate, yeah, it might fit your calories, but you're probably going to finish it and want more. You know, you're going to you're going to be like, I'm not satisfied with that. Yeah. Whereas you can have for the same calories, something that's so much more higher in volume and is going to satiate you. And you're not going to be thinking, oh, God, I want to go and smash 10 more chicken breasts. I mean, like, yes, by the end of prep, maybe I did feel that way. But for the, you know, the average person, that's probably not going to happen. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So a lot a lot to unpack there. I absolutely really like the idea of just track your calories in advance for the day, like decide in advance what you're going to have. So you reduce that decision fatigue. Um, And I always say as well, consistency over variety. The majority of people would get better results. If you look at any successful dieters, you two being prime examples, you eat the same five to 10 meals every single week. So if you're not happy with where you're at, analyze what are the five to 10 meals that I eat the most frequently which one of these are helping me? Which one of these are hindering me? Change the meals that aren't working for you. Add more protein, add more fiber, small, simple stuff. But again, it's it's so simple in practice, yeah. yet yeah. in execution, that's where people have a lot of difficulty. I want to fast forward the clock. So and um, we're actually, we're already on over 30 minutes. It's been great talking so far. And tell me then, um, Shane and Emma, talk me through actually just the process of stepping up in stage and becoming national body champ national uh, bodybuilding champion of, of Ireland in uh, for men's bodybuilding and for for women women's as well Emma like how did that feel knowing that God all the work that I put in all of the the 25 the 26 the 30 odd weeks plus it all it was all worth it in the end like just talk us through talk us through that that must have been amazing. I, I suppose like for for me like I I won as soon as I got, got up on stage and not as in like you know I won because I like dominated everybody else in the class yeah. <laughs> it was more so just like the process of getting up on stage was everything it was all the weeks preceding that right like all of the weeks all of the days uh you know executing on like my non-negotiables right getting the calories in uh doing the steps going out in those walks when I didn't want to you know going through the grueling training sessions and again I, I didn't want to be there um like all of that process like waking up every single day at like like five half five doing whatever 10 15 minutes of posing like religiously for like 12 weeks and like getting up on stage was like the kind of payoff of that big process um so like getting up on stage like the, the first definitely for the first show it was really kind of surreal right because it's something i i want to do for like years you know and that was like me finally being like i have the confidence to go up here and like a lot of the confidence was built from being so like diligent with the process because like you're not going to feel like get getting up on that stage right you're going to feel less confident in your kind of presence up there if you have not done everything that you knew you were supposed to do but the fact that i knew i did everything that i like was expected to do when i got up on that stage that made me more confident and like there was a show during the year where I didn't so like the week goes the peak week like I ended up like over over eating on like what my my coach gave me and like that was actually the only show like the entire like six shows that we did where I actually felt like less confident and it wasn't because like I didn't look good it was just because I I, I went away from the process 
you know so like yeah i mean it's it's, it's a great feeling getting getting up there but it is more so about the, more about the, the journey of, of, yeah of all of everything that came before unbelievable yeah. yeah i feel the same i honestly i always just forget about it. as funny as that sounds like for me, this is just my life. Like I have lived like a bodybuilder for so long um, that I suppose part of it was just, you know, finally unveiling all that hard work. And don't get me wrong. I worked so like I, I was like two years. I, I did it two and a half years. You know, I did it. I did not miss in, in any of the phases I was in. Um, so to finally get up on stage, it did feel amazing. Like Shane said, it felt surreal. Um, but, you know, as soon as I kind of stepped off stage and the season was over, it was very much like, okay what's next you know and that's just that's just maybe that's just me by nature um but you know anytime I've been on podcasts and they like read out you know the things I won I'm just like oh yeah I, I just forget about that or the NBFI when they released their poster and you know I was on it and they're like oh you know like all, all of our different European champions I'm like oh yeah I forget that that happened because it's just about kind of working towards the next goal I suppose so you know I think for me I just get so much joy from this process of process, every day right. I wake up I train I progress like for me it's, it's about progressing and, and and getting better and working hard so it was just kind of the the little icing on the cake at the end to to be to be able to get up there and to be proud and, and to know that the work I had done had paid off you know I think if anything I just felt almost relief um after winning because I put so much pressure on myself uh to win you know I really yeah. I really wanted to um because because I'd worked so hard and I had people around me telling me I could win I was like if I don't win I was like what what happens if I don't win it's going to be embarrassing which is probably not the best way to think about it but I have to be honest about how I felt and that was it you know that was your mindset before yeah. a lot of the shows I was really nervous because I just thought, what if I, what if I don't win after all of this? Um, and it's not about winning, you know, even like, and like I've just said there, I forget about everything that I won. I remember the weeks. I remember the yeah. work. I remember overcoming those days where I was doubting myself and where I did think, oh my God, like, what am I doing here? That's kind of what I'm proud of. It's it's not the win. So as much as I wanted it, once I had it, I was like, Who oh, you become? Yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. It's more so about like, I showed myself that I'm capable of doing whatever I need to do um and to kind of like staying on track like no matter how I'm feeling you know Shane can um attest I had many days where I was crying in the gym uh I think before the second show the MBFI show that day in the hotel I was crying because I was like I look terrible I look so so bad pro tip don't take check-in pictures when you have your base coat of tan on because it won't look good it won't look good <laughs> uh just don't do it to yourself I'm just that's that's for you as a tip because yeah like there's nothing like waking up on show day taking taken and sure. being like oh god I don't know what's going on here um, and wow. in terrible fitting as well but yeah you know like I had a lot of that and like I I think you know one thing that I was shown last year was I definitely do struggle with like self-doubt a lot um yeah. so I think like it was almost that sense of relief of like okay thank god um, and then it was just on to the next one you know after every show I just would check in with my coach and be like what do I need to do to be in a better at the next one you know and that mm. was that was my attitude um I think mindset. yeah it took, it took me a while to kind of sit and reflect and actually be proud of everything and like I said I still forget that it not happened and yeah. th this actually really segues nicely as well because I spoke about it previously in a podcast there's an element of self-sabotage which a lot of people encounter when they achieve their goals, that they almost feel a bit uncomfortable. Let's just say, for example, they've been 75 kilos all their life. And for the first time in five, six, seven years, 
they see the scale turn to 68 or 69. They can almost like self-sabotage their results because they don't feel comfortable at 68, 69, and they go back up to the weight that they're comfortable at. Emma, you mentioned there, and this might be just something that we can go back and forth about. You see, how you feel on the journey is going to determine how you feel at the end, quote unquote, the end destination, whatever that is, even though there is no end in this. Behind mountains are always more mountains. There's always more to come. And if you don't enjoy the process, you're not going to enjoy getting, quote unquote, there. But you also have to, you know, reflect and be proud of your efforts, too. So how do you navigate that line of how do you almost how do you celebrate the wins without sabotaging your results? Like, I think that's a, a something a lot of people feel struggled or challenged with, that they achieve certain goal. How do we now keep going and progressing and not resort back to our previous ways? Yeah, I, I, I think um, I, th I think you have to kind of understand first that like when you achieve any kind of goal, like the kind of you have to know what kind of feeling you're kind of looking for after getting it right, like and understanding how kind of fleeting those kind of that those feelings can be. Or like any time I think back to like any kind of big goal that I've achieved, like say for example, like step on stage. The amount of time you're actually on stage is like nothing in comparison to how long it takes to get there. Yeah. You know? So like if I was just trying to seek out that feeling, like it would be it would be very difficult to continue attaining, right? Because like I'd have to go through that entire process again and stepping us up on stage and that kind of big kind of dopamine release of like getting up there eventually, right? So it really does have to be a case of like, okay, well, did you again did you enjoy the process of getting towards that goal? You know, because if you're not enjoying the process of getting towards that goal, that's a lot of the practices you're going to be trying to keep to sustain the goal, essentially, right? Because, like, I think there's that, uh, what, the the James Clear quote, quote right? Where he's saying, like, if you want to become somebody, so if you want to become, like, a 69, per, 69 kilo person from, 79, from 75 kilos, you have to embody the, the practices of somebody who is that weight or what do they do? You know, you have to kind of embody that because, like, if you're kind of, plan is to just get to that weight and then just like stop doing that well then it's not going to be something that you are going to be sustaining at all right now obviously bodybuilding competitions can be different because like you know we are getting on stage but we're not we're like right let's just live here now you know yeah. uh we probably wouldn't it's not, yeah it's, it's not a very it's boring not, relationship yeah yeah <laughs> um, friends <laughs> if so you know so you have to kind of ask like i suppose you have to kind of ask yourself again, like, you know, what, what type of feelings are you looking to get from achieving those goals and achieving those wins? And how can you set those kind of, how can you put them in perspective in a way that you can live your life on a day-to-day -day basis? Like? Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I think uh, self-sabotage is such an interesting topic because I don't think there's like a simple answer, but I do think a lot of it ultimately comes down to your sense of self-worth and like, do you 100%. actually think you deserve these things? um and I think a lot of people don't you know and I uh I go to therapy now and I talk about all of this with my therapist because it is something that I struggle with and you know she's always trying to remind me like you deserve success like you deserve these things because you work hard um and you almost have to like reaffirm that to yourself and it's something I see it's a lot with clients like I don't think that they deserve to you know have the body that they want or be successful and 
that comes down to a lot of different factors, probably things that have happened throughout their life, their childhood, relationships, traumas. Um, but I think a lot of people don't even acknowledge that that's why they have these issues with self-sabotage and why, um, you know, maybe they can't sustain their goals. Obviously, yes, a big thing, like Shane said, is is the process sustainable? Can you keep doing it? Because if you can't keep doing it, then you're already, you know, not going to be able to to keep the results. But a lot of it comes down to being like, no, I deserve this. Like, I deserve to feel confident. I deserve to be happy. Like, and it sounds deep, but I don't think a lot of people think that. I think a lot of people deep down don't actually think that. Um, and that is a really important one. And um, so that's why, like, I'm really big on kind of mindset with clients and journaling and and thinking about these things because it's important. It's, I know it's easy to say it's just a calorie deficit, but there's a lot of psychological components that you have to look at behind that, which is, which is why I love this job because you're trying to figure these things out for people. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately it comes down to just knowing like you deserve it, you know, whoever you are, like you deserve to have the things that you want, you know, and if you work hard, especially then you deserve it and you deserve mm-hmm. to keep those things. Yeah. You, you deserve it when you work. Yeah. The work in. Yeah. You, know, you, like, you don't just deserve yeah. to have the dream body just yeah. because you by, think. By shouting affirmations at yourself in the yeah, mirror. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like you don't, you, you don't um lose weight by sitting in the mirror and telling yourself that you are strong and healthy. Like, you know, no, you have to, you have to show up and do it. You have to understand what the steps are that you have to take every single day. And then when you take those steps and you tick those boxes, you show yourself that you have that respect for yourself. You show yourself that you deserve these things again it's it's not just about saying it you have to take the action and show it you know actions do speak louder than words 100 yeah no um a lot there and to unpack even just about self-worth um i actually doing therapy as well i, I don't know are yeah. you are you using the same one i made better health yeah yeah that's what i use yeah yeah i, it's uh, fantastic. I found just yeah. like being being a coach um I'm sure you got this compassion fatigue. Uh, it can be quite difficult. Not not difficult. I love like talking to people about all these things, but I think at a certain point I was like, I really should talk to somebody. About you these forget things about right yourself. Now. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. You do. You need some. You need somebody to offload on. You know, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. All so, coaches need coaches. I mean, Shane, yes. you the coach. Emma, you the coach for the bodybuilding, yeah. but in different facets of your life too. Like for us maybe health is something that we're able to take care of ourselves but yeah. if we want to go to the next level you learn from people who are at that level for business you might hire a business coach but emotional that was just yeah. something that I felt that I needed like just someone to actually personally check in with how's your week been how are yeah. you feeling what what are your dominant thoughts um for anyone there I highly would recommend better help I think it works out at 260-ish a month um, yeah something which, like that is like you, know, you, you have a session a week you have you have um accountability there from a coach you've messaging back and forth one of the best investments an investment it's yep. not an expense it's an investment so really uh, really big in that as well but mindset is huge because we all know right we all know that an apple is probably a healthier choice for the most part than a donut but what what causes or what what stops us from not eating the apple and choosing the donut instead. It's not through lack of knowledge. It's something that's going on that's just been maybe wired there in your brain for for years or for months, as Emma was saying. Um, self-worth's a big one. I want to um segue slightly before we finish up. So um, Shane, Emma, you obviously deal with a, a number of different clientele, but just for the purpose of this podcast and the fact that we've been kind of focusing more so on bodybuilding, i.e. fat loss, what what would you say are just some common mistakes that people make when it comes to losing fat or, or what are some common misconceptions that people might have about it? If you were to say your your top 
between us, maybe your top one each? Um, I would probably say rushing uh, the, the process itself, like trying to, essentially what we're talking about, start like, you know, cutting calories too quickly or too harshly, adding in too much like car- cardio and stuff like that, essentially like making the process very tough to adhere to, right? Because like, if you have never, again, if you've never died before, or depending on what your experience is, that will dictate how hard you can push yourself. And then after that would probably be a lack of urgency, right? So if you have X amount of kilos to lose or you want to get to X body weight, like set yourself a date, like a reasonable date, right? And um, because if you if you say, I'm just gonna I want to lose five kilos, that could take you fucking forever, right? And as well, you can then come up to like weekends and weekends and weekends, and like especially during the summer, right? Summer is very busy for a lot of people. Um, there's lots of social occasions on. I feel like I want to lose five kilos over like the next few weeks, but I have like social occasions on every single weekend. That is gone, and you don't have a deadline. That's going to give you a lot of kind of excuses to be like, ah, uh, like you know, I'll start again on Monday, and then it keeps on happening like that. Whereas if you say I want to lose five kilos over like the next like twelve weeks or something like that, you're going to be a lot smarter with the kind of social social occasions that you either go to or how you're going to manage them. You maybe. Like you may pick your battles a little bit more, which is something I always recommend my clients do. Like there's gonna be some social occasions which are worth going to, and some which you can probably get away with not going on, right? And um, so like that will help you essentially get into the fat loss, get it done, and get it over it. Because like the worst thing ever is like trying to pursue like a certain weight loss goal and never really fully getting to it because you're never really fully committing to the process, and um, because you just end up in like a kind of almost like almost in a semi binge restrict kind of mindset because you were binging at the weekend with like, you know, maybe a social occasion. And then during the week you're restricting to kind of make up ground and then you never really get fully satisfied. And then you end up being in a position where you're like, Oh, this isn't working. It's like, you just need to set a deadline and commit to the process and understand there's going to be sacrifices along the way. And then after that, you'll achieve the goal. You can stop dieting and you can be a little bit more reasonable and a little bit, a little bit more relaxed. I love it. Expectations, goal setting, timeline. Emma, what would you say is the biggest mistake people make? Yeah, it kind of ties into what Shane just said, but I think trying to have too much balance, um, which, yeah. and maybe this is a bit controversial, but being too easy on yourself. <laughs> I know um, there's, and I think a lot of this comes down to some of the content I see on social media. Um, and I get it. Obviously, some people do have quite disordered behaviors around food and maybe they do try to over restrict and stuff. And so there's these coaches being like, no, you're fine. Have the chocolate, have the wine, go out. And I get that for some people that makes sense. But I think a lot of people see this content and then they get this preconceived notion that, well, you know, so-and-so said that I can just have balance and I'll still achieve my goals. And I'm realistic with people. That's not the case. If you really want to get like legit results, it's not going to be a balanced pursuit. It's to be successful in anything requires sacrifice. It requires restriction. You know, that seems to be a dirty word these days. Oh no, you can't say restricting, restrictive. Well, guess what? You need to restrict if you want to lose body fat. Like, why are we lying to people? Why are we telling them that's not the case? I would rather say to someone, look, you give me 12 weeks of being out of balance and really pursuing this. And then that will be it. You know, you you will be done then. And like Shane said, you can come back to normal. But if you try to have too much balance, I think you just get lackluster results. You get frustrated. You tell yourself that a deficit just doesn't work. You tell yourself dieting is a waste of time when really it was just because you probably were just going a bit too easy on yourself. You know, a lot of people are in the position they're in because they have too much balance. You know, mm. I think that that's the case. And it's like, maybe you need to just accept that 
it's going to be hard work. Of course it is. It's going to be difficult. But if you can just commit for, you know, however long, you'll get to where you want to be. And then you can learn how to maintain and have balance. But you have to earn that. Like you earn the right to have that balance. Um, so yeah, I know like a lot of people won't want to hear that because they want to hear that fat loss can be easy. They want to hear that it can be something where you can go out all the time and have fun. And I'm not saying you can't, but accept that the more and more you do those things, the longer it's going to take you to get your goals. Like, and that's an individual thing. Some people will rather the long, slow approach. Some people would rather just get it done. Um, so mm. yeah, I suppose that would kind of be something like a mistake I see people make. Like, you know, sometimes you have to say, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be balanced. You know, it's not to say you have to be a social hermit, but you're just going to have to be smart about, you know, how you approach sure. things. Yeah. Like the, the, the weekend. Yeah. Are days the too. Yes. <laughs> you know, oh, um, there we I, go. I, I haven't, I haven't, balance as well like it, do, it doesn't mean you have to have the full bottle of wine like if you see any of those posts like i was talking about like they might mean like oh yeah like have a glass of wine but not like the entire bottle and then yeah. what happens when you have the entire bottle oh you're like you wake up the next day you're a little bit groggy and you don't hit your steps or like you end up beating shite like yeah. the the deficit you can accrue during like monday and friday you can really write that off on like a saturday and sunday like really really easily um too easily like, Lack it's, of activity, it's actually scary making more choices yeah. like again they're they're simply days like one thing like, like again what i was talking about like picking your battles like i'd recommend that to like clients going through the, the diet phase because like you you can make a lot of progress just through those extra two days you know but you can also like really hit pause or kind of detract from your progress too and then like you end up getting to like like if you have set that deadline you kind of get to the deadline like oh I haven't got the results of one. It's like, yeah, because, you know, you took the piss. Yeah, you know, yeah. so you just have to be kind of mindful with that and understand that anything, any any time you kind of hit hit that pause or like, you know, you take things a little bit too far, you're going to be pulling yourself away from that kind of input that you want. And you might just get to the, to the deadline and not be too satisfied with what your results are. Like the weekends are 30% to your week. Yeah. and as you said you you can really it's so easy to undo that deficit like you could be at let's just say 2000 calories a day 14000 a week and you stay at 1800 even monday through friday give you an extra 1000 to have on a saturday it's yeah. very very difficult to eat out at a restaurant alone just a yeah. restaurant and get a quote unquote a healthy salad that could have a a caesar salad with um with the chicken breast there with some veggies there, but what you don't realize is the oil, how the food was cooked, um, all of the extra additives that you can't even really track going into that. And then you have a couple of drinks on top, you know, two, 300 calories per drink. It's so, so simple to have 5,000 calories in a night out. If you get a takeaway, you get a pizza, and then you're feeling like shit the next day, you go at it again, you get a fry, you get yeah. the comfort food. Um, It all does add up so. That'll be my one, to be honest, uh, just weekends. Like, yeah, there is an element of restriction here. And sometimes you do have to say no in order yeah. to become the person that you want to become. Um, yeah, so so I think we're, we're all aligned there in that. Um, just finally, so to, to wrap things up. So we spoke a lot about fat loss. Um, we spoke about the weekends. We spoke about common misconceptions. Shane, Emma, going forward for yourselves now, what is one thing that both of you are currently excited about? Um, I would say I'm right now most excited about uh like my work and my business. Um, so I'm just back from a trip 
where I had four clients doing photo shoots in Ireland and I was there with all of them and I just have the best time at those um you know I have a few clients next year who want to compete and that really is ultimately where I want to take my business um I love coaching everybody and the 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 minority are the prep girls I have mostly uh lifestyle clients but um over time like that's kind of something that I want to have more of the kind of physique based um people just because that's what I love and it's what I'm obsessed with and I know there's plenty of amazing lifestyle coaches out there. And I think like with my skill set, um, I that's kind of the direction I want to take. So yeah, I'm just like, after coming home from that trip, I'm just so excited um, for this year, for next year and for the future, you know, like, like I said, at the start of the podcast, I've only been coaching since January last year. And I think I get in my head like, oh, I wish I was further ahead. And then I'm like, girl, you've been in business for 16 months, like chill out this time two years ago. I wasn't even a coach. I hadn't even admitted I wanted to be a coach. So yeah, I think that's just where I'm kind of most excited Amazing. right now. All the people I, I work it. with, like I love my team. So that's what I'm most excited about. I'll get that email. I'll get you, of course, to share your socials at the end there. Yeah. A lovely stuff. Amazing stuff. Shane, what about you? I have a feeling I have an idea what you're going to say, but go ahead. I know it's similar similar time. Like I'm going home now in August and have a client doing a photo shoot, and then I have a few clients competing as well at the next Ab Series competition. So with a lot of those clients here competing as well, it's going to be like their second competition with me and their second competition ever. So it's going to be cool to see what they put up because all their training's going quite well. And then a few other clients competing towards the back end of the year as well. And then we're going to be doing a lot of kind of like traveling to like different shows. So because we're going to be coming home as well be able to attend those like competitions but we're going to be able to attend like the WMBF and NBFI shows which we compete at last year and I think we're planning on going to like the likes of like Worlds as well in, yeah. in Seattle to uh watch that WMBF show and potentially go to the Olympia as well yeah. so there's gonna be a lot of kind of like traveling to and from kind of bodybuilding shows because as well as sh- showing your kind of face at these things as well does kind of like you want to get a little bit more involved in the community because like I'm I'd say I'm pretty involved in the powerlifting scene in Ireland well when it was there for sure um but like showing your face more at these things does help you kind of integrate more into the kind of community helps with uh potentially getting like you know more kind of clients as well because you know as Emma said like this is our kind of this is our main interest you know um so coaching people with kind of similar mindsets and similar goals is like extremely motivating you know and then as well to have some other kind of competitive com- competitive stuff this year myself at a parallel competition next week or sorry next next month which might be my first one since uh i finished prep so be interested to see where the strength is uh after you know getting very skinny <laughs> seven seven hundred was the goal last time shane across the squat the bench the deadlift yeah yeah have you have you anthony in mind for this upcoming one five weeks out um if i total 700 again i'll be more than happy you know uh because to be honest, I'm not really setting myself with too high expectations for it because I essentially had like almost a year of powerlifting training. So I spent like the last God six months just regaining body weight, you know. Um, so I don't really have huge expectations for it, match or come close to that previous best total, and then for the next one, I can set kind of bigger goals. Sure, gotcha, gotcha. The process there. Okay, awesome. Just to wrap it up, so we'll do our final five, and then uh that will be it for today. So um emma shane whoever wants to go first what's one you have that you've implemented in the last year um, what's one new habit i've implemented what one new habit um god i'm trying to think i feel like my days just haven't changed at all um 
or even one helpful habit, Sophie, if I that's part of your daily routine? So one thing that I'm very big on um, and I always kind of say to clients is giving yourself time in the morning without looking at your phone. Um, so like starting your day, like I, if, if anybody follows me on Instagram, I start every single day. I wake up, I have my coffee, I read, I journal, and then I get straight into work. I don't look at social media until about like 8 39. Um, and I just find that gives me such a clear headspace. Yeah. And if I do, you know, and look, I'm not perfect. Some mornings I might not do that. And I always find that then I feel more stressed and I feel more erratic. Um, so I think just giving yourself a chance to check in with yourself in the morning and, you know, not immediately plug into the outside world is important. I know it's not feasible for everybody, of course, but for the vast majority of people, even 10, 15 minutes before you check your phone, I know too many people who wake up and the first thing they do is look at Instagram. Like, no, (laughs) I don't think that that's a good thing for your brain. So that's something I'm really, really big on. Amazing. Amen in that. I hate starting the day off. I actually, I've Instagram blocked off from like half eight at night until six in the 6 a.m. at least in the morning. Yeah. Uh, just I hate starting the day in a reactive mode. Shane, what about yeah. you? Um, I'd say probably the the biggest one has been uh going to bed at the same time as Emma. <laughs> so so going to bed uh consistently at the same time because previously when we were what time there, is that? I'm curious. Uh, about yeah. nine. Yeah. yeah, nine o'clock. So like, but previously that when we weren't like living together, I would have uh went to bed a little bit later or like you know I'd be a little bit kind of more kind of relaxed with the kind of deviance between my bedtimes but now because I have her barking at me to come to bed so I don't so I don't disturb her sleep yeah that's um, it. I, just I, I, I get a lot more consistency so yeah be good hey, yeah helpful habit for sure um when you hear the word successful who is the first person that comes to mind depends what you want uh what you define success as and um, however you define success like, like yeah I but to be honest, I think like one person I look up to massively is like Eric Helms. Yeah. So he'd be somebody I I deem to be extremely successful. Like he not like the fucking wealthiest person in the world, I'm sure, but like he kind of lives a life that I would love to live. Like you know, in 10, 15 years, you know, coaching high level bodybuilders, coaching high level powerlifters, being like a kind of pillar in the kind of strength and fitness kind of community, um, and be like well known as like fucking sound lad. Like last yeah. year. Um, for like my last show my coach couldn't come out and my coach like works in the same coaching company as him so 3dmj and uh, eric was like my kind of like babysitter essentially for the day like he was like assessing my pictures and he was like backstage with me at the show like helping me pump up and stuff like that so that was like a kind of amazing surreal surreal moment because like i follow him since i got into bodybuilding and so yeah i think like that'd be somebody i would define to be pretty successful like find somebody who's in like the kind of strength and kind of bodybuilding world who doesn't know who he is you know yeah i love very calm too emma um yeah I, I was struggling to like think of like one particular person because like shane said it kind of depends on like the area um i suppose like for myself somebody that maybe i look up to within like coaching and bodybuilding um i don't know if you know uh megan sylvester she's uh uh she's an IFBB figure competitor um she's from the UK um and I don't know I just I follow her and she just seems like a really nice person I've actually met her before she trains in do you know Ultraflex in Rotherham 
okay yeah right. yeah yeah so I've met her before and she's really lovely and she coaches some really really good athletes too so so somebody like her um obviously like yeah like like Shane said there's success in so many different areas um depends and, which bracket you're talking to yeah I suppose for yeah. me like successful like if I was if I was to think of myself as being successful it just means being happy and like having freedom mm-hmm. and things like that and being able to do what I want and when I say that out loud, it's like, well, I do that now. So <laughs> I feel like pretty happy, pretty happy with what I have. If you could go back in time, what is one thing you would do? What's one piece of advice you give to your younger self? To not let fear hold you back as much. I have known for a long time I would love to be a coach. And I just always told myself I couldn't do it, that I wouldn't be good at it, that I was wasting my time. And I just sometimes wonder where would I be if I'd started three years ago but I mean obviously I don't regret anything like I I'm exactly where I need to be right now but yeah I would just tell myself like stop being so scared and just go after it if you can't stop thinking about something do it like you owe yourself the justice of like trying at least I love it Shane um yeah I'd probably probably tell myself to like just say like yeah don't worry things are going to work out just just fine you know because like I, I think back to uh like you know when I was like in college and I was like a little bit a little bit of a messer um and it wasn't necessarily too diligent with like my studies <laughs> then and like you know I wasn't even coming out of college a lot of my friends like went straight into like kind of graduate jobs and stuff like that whereas like I didn't I didn't like have any interest in that like I was working at my dad's bookshop for like ages and uh, just from working there I was like I kind of want like I wouldn't mind becoming a personal trainer because I wanted to do like physio or like um some kind of sports science degree in college but I just didn't have the points to do it um but like not choosing one of those degrees or not getting one of those degrees also led me to like make a lot of connections a lot of friends and have a lot of like amazing experiences in like my early 20s and like while yeah if I started doing like sports science or started doing like physio or if I got into like powerlifting or bodybuilding earlier I might have like more accolades in, in those domains I don't buy a better better total or better kind of like fucking trophy cabinet like Emma but I would also have a lot less like experience gained through those years too a lot less like kind of connections like I've got I'm I'm pretty happy to say I've got a pretty like broad friend group like people who just don't train or have any interest in bodybuilding or powerlifting or anything like that and that kind of makes me like happier as a human so yeah I'd probably tell myself to like you know everything's gonna work out just fine so yeah Okay, and he's also going to get an amazing girlfriend. He forgot to mention that one. <laughs> I think that's a given. There's never a death order- <laughs> <laughs> Um, What do you feel is the most underrated gym exercise that most people should do more of? Emma, I'll let you start. I love a good 45 degree hyperextension for your glutes. Um, I don't see a lot of people doing it, but um, I've been doing them a lot more recently. And yeah, I think they're really, really good. I think you can get a good yeah. challenge. It's a lot easier to set up than something like a hip thrust. Um, so yeah, that's one that I don't really see. Or Bulgarian split squats. Like I love them. They're horrible. They're the most challenge, not challenging, but mentally. Probably are. Yeah, as, mentally for sure. They're so good. Um, so yeah. yeah, probably probably those two. One of those two, Shane. She's like my 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 exercise uh, selections like extremely fucking vanilla, so like it's kind of hard for me to uh, to think. Um, I would not necessarily give a specific exercise, but I'd probably just say don't uh don't shy away from like the kind of 
harder looking movements as such. I think like now, especially like on social media and like there's a lot of like a craze around like a very, very specific movements for specific body parts for like specific regions of even of a body part. And that can shy a lot of people away from like doing like harder movements or kind of more kind of bang for your buck movements, like the bigger kind of compound movements. And obviously sure. you can make your training a lot more kind of specific towards like a certain body part if you want, but don't take that as like an easy way out you know because i think like the kind of barbell movements have been like almost kind of like bastardized as such and like the kind of uh, more kind of muscle centric or biomechanical kind of sphere of things whereas like they have still built a, a fantastic like amount of muscle on lots of different people and you know should something like a lockdown ever happen again you'd be pretty fucking happy if you could lo- learn how to squat bench and deadlifts you know under broad Great point. Amen on that, brother. I'm with you 100% on that. Last question. Love it. Um, what is something that you've changed your mind about since you started out training? I've changed my mind about. Hmm. I was thinking about this recently, actually. What have I changed my mind on? I feel like I've changed my mind on so many things. I'm trying to pick a specific one. Well, I suppose one thing I used to always, always say, compound lifts first always do your compounds first and now most of my sessions start with isolation movements and when I program for clients I start with isolation movements a lot of the time um just because they are sometimes unique in the way they train muscles they might train them in that kind of short range that gets harder and harder to get into the more fatigue you get um so yeah I suppose like that's one thing that I've definitely changed within my own training and within training clients and um, I don't necessarily think you always have to do your compound movements first sometimes sure having an isolation in there like a leg extension it might warm you yeah. up well so that's I suppose one thing um yeah I suppose my training looks very different now like I do quite a low volume like high intensity approach you know I take all my sets to failure whereas before I was trying to do four or five sets of exercises and um, you could not pay me to do that now <laughs> no but yeah I love it interesting Emma um kind of pre-fatiguing before or not even pre-fatiguing but just some element of reverse training almost Shane yeah. um I suppose like in the, la- in the last few years, I've uh, been very kind of interested in like kind of what was mentioned already in regards to the kind of more kind of mechanical or uh, biomechanical kind of side of like training and kind of thinking about kind of specific movements as such. So I've almost come to like the opposite end of like that, like asymptote as a such, uh, whereas like now kind of more like a lot of those exercises, even though they may be, uh, very specific or they may be more kind of like you can make them almost like more personalized as such uh, a lot of people are probably just going to respond the best from exercises that they enjoy versus something that is like extremely like optimal you know so like yeah. one thing like when I was kind of going through the kind of initial part of that kind of phase I was like changing a lot of like clients programming to be like more kind of optimal as such and then almost like having a more kind of discussions with clients to try to like make them like exercises just because I was like this is a better kind of uh, exercise profile or something like that for for movement whereas like now like which i started with initially and i come back to is very much like i use kind of general principles when when programming for clients but their enjoyment and their preference and like their availability yeah. of stuff is like and their and their ability is like much higher on the list versus then like the kind of more optimal situation right because at the end of the day optimal is going to be very much dictated by the client's ability their uh, willingness to do so their enjoyment versus know what type of resistance profile the exercise has yeah the the best program is only as good as your ability to actually follow it and see it through amen in that amen in that um shane emma this has been absolutely amazing 
Really, really enjoyable conversation. As always, as always, big fan of both of your content. But for any of your listeners out there on the Lifestyle Lifter Show who want to learn more about yourself, Shane, or yourself, Emma, where is the best place for people to, to where is the best place to send people? Well, firstly, thank you so much for having us on um, and for listening to us ramble. It's been a pleasure. Um, so my Instagram is the best place to find me because I have everything linked there. So it's just um, at emma.curavin. Um, and, you know, if you're interested in like coaching or anything like that, you can shoot me a DM, you can book a call with me. And yeah, that's like, that's really the main hub of like everything that I have. I have a podcast. It is called the Your Gym Big Sister podcast, um, which I think I'm on like 20 episodes now. So it's going well. Um, I just have to keep it up. I'm sure you know yourself. It's uh, getting the momentum Consistency. going. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's where you can find me. Uh, and then I'm I'm soon enough, so you can find me at at s story ninety four uh, on Instagram. Again, that's kind of like my hope for like most of like my content, uh, things like coaching applications and that. And then I also have a YouTube which I upload to semi semi regularly. Unbelievable YouTube, by yeah, the way. Um, and that's the exact same. Just type in my name, Shane Story, or just type in at s story ninety four. And my stuff should come up there. Yeah. More videos. I'll, I'll post <laughs> for sure. I'll I'll post a I'll post a link to both Shane and Emma's IG in the show notes for anyone, but would highly recommend giving both of them a follow. Phenomenal content, really, really enjoyable. And they just put out they they put out real good stuff. So Shane, Emma, look, really thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. And who knows, we might do a part three sometime down the line. Maybe. Nice one, Adrian. Thank you very much. And best of luck in your shows as well. Cheers.